Good to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, we are currently working our way through Luke's account of the life of Jesus, and we've arrived at chapter 11 where Jesus begins to teach his followers, his closest friends, how to pray. If you remember, they've been watching the way that Jesus prayed, and it absolutely blew their minds. I mean, here was someone with a connection to God, the like of which they had never, ever seen before. Here was someone who wasn't just passionate about prayer, not merely enthusiastic about the subject, but he also saw pretty amazing, astonishing things happen as a result of his prayer life. And so one day, one of his disciples plucks up the courage, comes to Jesus and asks him, Lord, teach us to pray. And here's Jesus' response, Luke 11 verse 2, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, what we've been seeing as we've been working our way through this prayer over the last few weeks is that actually there's a very natural flow to it. If you recall, it starts by focusing on God, praising Him for who He is. He's our Father. His name is to be hallowed, to be honoured, to be revered, to be seen as holy. Uh, And then it moves on to praying for God's agenda in the world. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And now this week, finally, we arrive at the part that I guess most of us have been waiting for, the part where we actually get to ask God to give us some stuff. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Now, if you're like me, this is the kind of prayer that you probably most naturally end up focusing on. I think probably all of us pray most when we want something from God, when we need Him to do something for us. But I find it interesting that Jesus places this kind of request slap bang in the middle of his model prayer. It's surrounded by all sorts of different statements and ideas and concepts. Now I'll go so far as to say that we today will only be able to ask God for stuff for ourselves confidently and effectively when we understand the context that Jesus puts this in. When we see how praying for our needs relates to everything else in this prayer. In other words, it really does work to ask God for stuff. It's worth doing that, but only if we get some other stuff first. What I want to do this morning is show you four things that we need to get before we bring our requests to God. We need to get confident, we need to get perspective, we need to get humble, and we need to get dependent. need to get confident, knowing His power. need to get perspective, knowing His glory. need to get humble, knowing His wisdom. need to get dependent, knowing He's God, and letting Him be God. Let's start with getting confident. You don't get to pray, 
give us each day our daily bread, until you begin to grasp who it is you're coming to. That there's a confidence that's there when you pray, when you understand, when the penny drops, that you are coming to your heavenly Father. I don't know if you ever noticed, but that the Bible is absolutely packed with astonishing promises about prayer. Jesus himself promises, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. James, the brother of Jesus, says in James 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. It's like there is incredible blessing from God for us if we'd only pray, if we'd only ask. It says in Psalm 84 verse 11, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from us. Which means that there isn't a good thing that you have ever asked God for that he hasn't given you. That there's not one thing that was good for you that you have asked for and God's refused to give you. That's never happened. You might be thinking, well, hold on a moment. I can think of any number of examples of good things I've asked God for and don't think I've got them yet. Just hold that thought. I I promise I will come back and address it a bit later on. But one further promise I want to show you uh, uh, about prayer, about asking God for stuff. It says in Isaiah 65 verse 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. It's like God is waiting with all of these gifts kind of behind his back, longing for us to just ask him for stuff. Now as a father, I know something. My joy is often very much bound up with the joy of my children. It is very hard for me to be happy if they are unhappy. Now where does that come from? Why does it work like that? I think it's at least in part because we're made in the image of God. We reflect something of the heart of our Heavenly Father. Later on in Luke 11, Jesus develops this idea. He asks, which one of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if your child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And then he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, three words, how much more will your heavenly Father give? He goes on to speak about giving the Holy Spirit, pouring out the Holy Spirit on us if we'd only ask. Now listen, this is saying something pretty mind-blowing. It says that there hasn't ever been a parent in the history of the world who's got anywhere close to the desire of God to lavish good gifts on his children. If my heart, which is pretty flawed and has mixed motives at times, if, if my heart is bound up with the joy of my children, how much more is God's? One of the differences between me and God, and there are quite a few differences between me and God, but one of them is that God is all-powerful. It's like, here you've got a father who is driven 
by a greater passion for the joy and fulfillment of his children than any parent on earth has ever been, and he's got all the power in the universe to do something about it. Now, if you get this, if you really believe it, not just kind of know it in your head and can kind of trot it out, but really believe this, it must dramatically impact the way you pray. For starters, you will be able to pray, give me each day my daily bread with incredible confidence. I mean, why wouldn't you ask that? You're missing out big time if you don't bring your requests to God. If you don't come to God regularly with massive requests, not just how much sleep, well, tonight, give me a good day tomorrow, amen. I'm talking big requests. It's okay to pray for that stuff, but big requests. If you don't come to God with that big stuff, then I suggest you still need to learn that He is your Father and He loves you deeply and He's infinitely good and He's infinitely powerful. When you pray, there is phenomenal confidence from seeing God for who he is. But that's not all. Second, you need to get perspective as well. You you don't get to give us each day our daily bread until you work your way through Father, hallowed, holy, sacred, revered is your name. Your kingdom come. What Johnny's been saying over the last couple of weeks He's dealt with those words, those verses. I just want to say again, I want to reiterate. Before you ask for anything, you must understand that your perspective on the things you want needs to be healed, needs to be mended, needs to be put right. Jesus says, you mustn't run straight into asking for stuff for yourself until You've worked through who God is and who you are in relation to Him and how His purposes are ultimate. We need to work through all of that first because it helps us to see that our deepest needs are actually inside and not outside. I tell you, so often our deepest problem is really a matter of our perspective rather than our circumstances. Very often it's our perspective that causes us to be so worried and so anxious and so upset and so hopeless and so fearful and at times so joyless. So there needs to be a change of perspective on our needs before we Ask God for them. We do remember that ultimately, God is the most important thing in our lives. Hallowed be His name. And we do remember that His purposes are so much higher, so much greater, so much wiser than ours. Your kingdom come. Let's just stop for a second. Just think about this. If you have a tendency towards worry, maybe it's because 
you're treating your own wisdom, your idea of how things should play out as more important than God's. Or or maybe you struggle with despair at times. Maybe it's because you're treating some object or some person as more beautiful, as having more worth than God. Or if you're struggling to forgive someone for saying something that got under your skin a bit, maybe you felt damaged your reputation in some way, maybe that's an indicator that you're too caught up with your own reputation. Do you see? Before getting to God, give me, we, we need to remind ourselves of who God is. We need to plug ourselves back in with, we need to reacquaint ourselves with his glory. You see, we're so quick to forget how great he is and how loving he is and how powerful he is. It's like we forget that if we have God in a genuine sense, in an ultimate way, we actually have all we need. Which is why I say we, we must get perspective before we get to all of our requests. Now, I suggest unanswered prayer is, in fact, one of the best ways for you to get to understand what's going on inside you, who you really are. If God doesn't answer the way you'd like him to answer, and you're still able to say, well, God, that's up to you. You know best. I'm willing to leave all of this in your hands. That shows that you get what I'm talking about. But if you say, what good is it being a Christian? I mean, how could God ever allow this to happen to me? I stuff that, I throw the towel in with my face. Maybe that highlights that you're orbiting around something other than God. What you need desperately is to get perspective. It can be helpful then just to pause for a moment and reflect on what's going on in you before you come to God. So before praying, God, I'm so worried about this. Ask, why am I so worried about this? Or before praying, God, I I despair that I haven't got this thing in my life. Ask, well, why is the lack of this thing causing me so much angst, causing me so much despair? Think, reflect, get perspective. Third thing you need you need to also get humble. Perhaps you're thinking, well, if God gives us all of these promises and God has got all of this power, then why is it that I'm not getting all the things I'm asking for? The, the question I touched on earlier. Anyone here thinking that? It's probably a big issue from time to time for a lot of us. Which is why Jesus encourages us here to keep thinking of prayer in father-child terms. The thing with children is, they tend to think that they know best. And a lot of the time, really they don't. They ask for things that they think will be great, and really they aren't. I mean, think about it. What would be more dreadful, what would be more frightening than to give a five-year-old absolutely everything they asked for? You know... I think a lot of us treat prayer a bit like Aladdin's lamp. 
It's like God's the genie whose job it is to give us exactly what we ask for whenever we ask. I tell you, if I ever saw a five-year-old with Aladdin's lamp, I'd get as far away from there as possible. I mean, there is no knowing what crazy stuff they might ask for. It it wouldn't be safe. How about a ten-year-old? Well, ten-year-olds still ask for things that are counterintuitive. How about a 15-year-old? That could be even more dangerous. But how about when you get to 25? And of course, by then, you don't want things that are bad for you anymore. You understand exactly how things are to go in life. I'll tell you, I am so incredibly grateful that when I was in my mid-twenties, I had a loving heavenly father rather than a genie in a lamp. I shudder to think what kind of a mess I'd have got myself into if I'd been given everything I wanted, everything I asked for. Now, the Bible tells us that we're never, 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 never in a position where getting the equivalent of Aladdin's lamp would be good for us. You see, when you're 25 and you look back at how you were when you were 15, you think, what an idiot I was back then. Same when you're 35, looking back at how you were when you were 25. And on and on and on it goes. That's why Jesus tells us to start praying with the realization that we're coming to our heavenly Father. His wisdom is so much greater than ours. Maybe you're thinking, well, what about all those places, though, where Jesus says, whatever you ask, I'll give you? Because you just told me he doesn't always give us what we ask for. Aren't you contradicting yourself here? It's only a contradiction if you think of prayer in genie terms rather than father terms. Because good parents always distinguish between the need and the child's interpretation of the need. You see, when a child goes to the parent and asks for something, they think the request and the need are identical. They're precisely the same thing. But wise parents realize that sometimes there is a difference. They try to understand the real need. For example, imagine my kids coming to me and saying, Dad, we're bored. Can we throw knives at one another? What do I say? On reflection, I don't think that would be half as much fun as you can imagine. But I see that you're bored, so let's do this thing instead. You see, good parents don't respond to unwise proposals, but they always try and discern what's the root issue. What's going on underneath? What's going on beneath the surface? I think Hebrews 5 verse 7 is perhaps one of the most telling verses in the whole Bible. It describes how during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Let's not rush over this. What do you mean he was heard? 
Read the Bible. His father didn't step in to save him. Despite this prayer, the father let the son face the agony of crucifixion. Whichever way you look at this, it doesn't sound very much like being heard to me. It sounds more like being ignored, being rejected. Yeah, but only if you see God as a genie in the lamp. All through this, the the Father was still there for Jesus. He worked through Jesus' humility. He worked through Jesus' submission. And even though it appeared his prayer wasn't answered, he brought about a glorious resurrection. Literally. Good parents, take the request, even if it's wrong at the moment, and say, look, if you're willing to let this thing die, I will give you something much, much better. Remember the occasion when the Apostle Paul prayed three times for God to take some kind of thorn out of his life. Don't know precisely what it was, might have been a physical problem, something else, but we're not told. But Paul says, I won't be effective as long as I have this thing in my life. It's a good desire. His desire is to be more effective for God. He wanted to be able to do the things that God had called him to do with greater power. And he interprets how this all happened by asking for this thorn to be removed from his life. What does God say? My strength is made perfect in weakness. He's saying, Paul, you want to be strong, and you think the way to be strong is to get rid of this thorn. I'll give you what you're asking for, but in a different way. As a guy called Tim Keller puts it, God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knew. God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knew. In other words, God always answers. He always responds. And because he's a perfect, loving, wise father, sometimes his response is yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not now but later. Now here's the irony. Coming to God with confidence because you see his power, and coming to God with perspective because you see his glory isn't enough. You've also got to come to him with humility because you see that he's a father, and at the end of the day, he's wiser than you are. The irony is that the child who most acknowledges their childishness, their immaturity, and doesn't get all bent out of shape when you try to redirect them, the child who says, this is what I want, but dad, you know best. Doesn't often happen in our household, sometimes it does. The child who most acknowledges that they're a child is actually the most mature. And as a father, the, the more my heart goes out to that kind of child. It's very hard to give anything to the child who comes to me demanding, this is what I want and this is exactly how it has to be. These are my rights. The more the child comes and says, this is what I'd really like, but dad, I'm happy just to leave it with you. Do what you think is best. 
it's a lot easier to respond to that request. You see, the more humbly you acknowledge that your Heavenly Father's wisdom is greater than yours, the more He's able to let His desire to give you good things explode into reality. Prayer really works, but it works best when you pray with confidence, knowing His power, perspective, knowing His glory, humility, knowing His wisdom. And then the fourth part is, you also need to get dependent. I'm guessing, may well be some people in the room right now who are thinking, look, I, I don't even know if I believe in the God you're talking about. And here you are giving me an entire talk that is of no relevance to me whatsoever. Just try and track with me for a couple more minutes. I think it's significant that Jesus encourages us here to pray, give us each day our daily bread. He, he doesn't say, come to me every so often. He doesn't say, give us today our weekly bread or our monthly bread or our annual bread. Jesus says, I want a transformation of consciousness. I want a transformation of understanding in you. I want you to see that you are absolutely dependent on God for everything. I want you to see, I want the penny to drop, you are not in charge. You need to come to me for absolutely everything, not just the really big things, but even the most basic needs you have, even bread. And until you grasp that you are not God, but you are a dependent creature, none of this works. Let me put it to you this way. Prayer is the place where you finally get reconciled to the fact that you are really human. If you live your whole life saying, I can provide my own daily bread, but every so often I need to come to God when I'm in a crisis and have run out of ideas of my own, then you've missed the point. You've missed the point. Why is it that people who aren't the least bit religious end up praying when they're in a war zone or they're on their deathbed? It's a reflex of the heart. When you actually begin to get in touch with your humanity, when you finally get in touch with the fact that you aren't in charge of your life, when you come to see something of your own fragility, your frailty, when you're faced with your mortality, when you get in touch with the reality that you're human and you're not God, that's when you pray. It's our natural reflex at such times, and it reveals to us what we were made for, what we were created for. Deep down, we know we're human and that we need God. Really, more than anything else, my prayer is that we would get hit between the eyes with just how incredibly dependent we are on God. Because that's the place 
where prayer ceases to be something we feel we ought to do just to keep God happy, but becomes the greatest gift imaginable. An opportunity to bring our requests to the God who is both our loving Father and the one with all power and authority over everything. What a privilege! But prayer only works if we get confident, knowing His power. If we get perspective, knowing His glory. If we get humble, knowing His wisdom. If we get dependent, knowing He's God and letting Him be God. God. 